This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. to So Circular, a sustainability radio show and podcast discussing waste reduction and circular economy. I'm Anthea Medill of Remix Plastic and this program is brought to you by The Rubbish Whisperer. Kia ora katoa katoa and welcome to episode 9 of So Circular. This episode we will be discussing Plastic Free July and we will explain what it is and where it fits in with circular economy systems. But before we start, some good news. The 1st of July marked one year since the introduction of the government's plastic bag ban, and the Ministry for the Environment estimates that the ban has avoided over 1 billion single-use plastic bags from ending up in landfill or the environment, which is massive for one year. Um, The second piece of news is that the South Atlantic population of humpback whales has rebounded to over 25,000 individuals. About that number were hunted in 12 years from the early 1900s, leaving the population at only 450. But now they've recovered, which is exciting. Uh, This month is Plastic Free July, and we're happy to have Helen Townsend from The Rubbish Whisperer with us today to discuss reducing household plastic. Morena, Helen. Kia ora, Anthea. Um, Yes, so we told everyone last time that we're going to talk about palm oil, but just keeping people on their toes. Yeah, we'll talk about, (laughs) we'll we'll touch on that again in a bit, actually, about why we changed it. (laughs) So, humpback whales, that's actually really exciting. Yeah. Um, Not just a bit exciting, I think. And I think it's really good because it shows that even though we totally screw up environmentally, um, wiping out humpback whales almost in 12 years, if we stop then we can fix things, or we can let nature fix itself, which is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty Mm. exciting, eh? A bit of background for anyone that doesn't know about Plastic Free July. Uh, It's a campaign that was started in Australia in 2011 as a way to engage people with the idea of avoiding single-use plastic in their homes. And so it's a gateway into plastic-free living, and it provides loads of resources on how to make changes, uh, community events to connect and share information, and it works as a vehicle for people to feel less alone in their pursuits of reducing waste. Yeah, so it can either be approached as a challenge where you eliminate all single-use plastics for the month of July, or as a kicking-off point where you start thinking about reducing plastic in your life. And um, the challenge part part can be hard because um, you don't want to burn out by trying to get rid of all of, like, of changing your life entirely, and you don't want to just delay buying stuff until August and then feel like you've achieved something. (laughs) Um, So using it as a kicking-off point is... uh, usually more achievable and the reason that we have changed the topic is because we don't think about Plastic Free July until July. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to prep, isn't it, if you don't actually think, you're like, wait a minute, it's the 1st of July, I'm supposed to be plastic free. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a really good way to use the month as a way to learn more and make plans, long-term plans, not like New mm. Year's resolutions whereby into January you're not doing them anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is that I, that's my approach as well is that don't freak out that it's already partly part way through July, um, that it's a good way to use it as a starting point and linking in with other people. Um, and the other thing to be aware of is that we have to acknowledge that these system, the systems aren't set up to be plastic-free completely um, and easily anyway Um, and that it does take a lot of effort and we need to do other things beyond just our household waste 
um, like making submissions or getting involved in community organisations and things. Um, yeah, so if everybody could live plastic-free easily, then everybody, a lot more people would be doing it. That's yeah. why it's a challenge. Exactly. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. <laughs> and if your life is harder than usual at the moment, for whatever reasons, then don't beat yourself up um, if you can't re- replace all the single-use plastics in your house. Um, just do what you can and what is within your capacity. However, having said that, um, we're not going to move to a circular economy and be able to live within the capacity of the planet if all we do is replace a single-use item here or there. Um, So doing things like choosing not to buy packaged biscuits, for example, needs to be a first step um, Mm. for most of us, and then we need to work on the bigger problems after that. A circular economy aims to design out waste and pollution, keep products and materials in use, and regenerate natural systems. And so in this episode, we're going to discuss how Plastic Free July fits in with these systems. So as we've already said, plastic is just one part of the system that is the problem. And the thing with plastic is that it's tangible, so it's a really good place to start. It's like the gateway thing for sustainability. The gateway thing. (laughs) The the gateway drug for sustainability. (laughs) I never know if I should say that because it sounds really bad, but this is like an addiction you're allowed. Yeah, Yeah. a good drug. And not illegal. (laughs) I feel we're straying into dangerous territory here. (laughs) Should we go back? Let's get back on track. Um, So for me, I see it as there's two parts to reducing waste. There's avoiding plastic where you can, but the other side of it is engaging with businesses and the government to make changes outside of your household. Um, And so if we don't interact with those things, then there won't be any bigger changes come into effect. Yes, so um, when it comes to individuals living sustainably, um, those who are living sustainably are also those who say that the government should be leading the way. Um, And it's similar um, with people who say that companies should lead the way. People who say that companies should be leading the way to sustainability are prepared to pay more for it. Mm. So it indicates that these people are already doing things in their own life and see that there needs to be more. Yeah. That we can't just yeah. swap biscuits to save the world. Yeah, an interesting example that somebody used one time um, was that if you're at like a, veg- a farmer's market and there's apples and you buy some not in plastic, but there are some in plastic, it's important to say that you're buying the ones not in plastic so that the people know that you're mm. choosing that over the plastic ones because otherwise they don't know and some people will buy the plastic ones and they'll just keep selling them. Yeah, it's like you're boycotting a product. Yeah. If you boycott a product and you never tell the company, that you're boycotting it, then, then they're, they're not going to know. know. They just think not, you're not buying it. Yeah, they're not spying on you yeah. <laughs> in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to tell companies and the council and thing, um, you know, got to tell them what you're doing and yeah. why you're doing it. Yeah. And then other people will know as well that yeah. there's a reason that you buy these things and not buy other things. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is going to be a funny episode where we say you should take individual actions, but you shouldn't take individual. We're not saying we shouldn't take individual actions, but they're not the only thing that yeah. matters. But yeah. um, Plastic Free July is about individual actions globally, but it has grown so that um, it has been taken up by others. So, for example, um, in New Zealand last year during Plastic Free July, they removed individual plastic water bottles from some services. And... 
being a massive company, this has had a massive effect. So it's estimated to have diverted more than 460,000 bottles um, from landfill for the year and reduced carbon emissions by more than 300,000 kilograms. That's amazing. I know, because it reduces um, aircraft weight. Um, And Air New Zealand's actions were part of the um, participation by citizens and organisations within the um, country, and that was facilitated by a partnership with Wastemans, which is funded by the New Zealand government. So individual actions are not just individual actions. Yeah, if everybody does something, it all adds up, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, and as individuals, there's loads that we can do to reduce waste, but there's a lot to navigate in the space as well, and it's really easy to feel like you're doing the right thing and then find out that what you're doing is actually as wasteful in a different way. Um and so an example of this is like bioplastics and like commercially compostable plastics uh, is that you may think that it's better than traditional petroleum plastic, but it, there's nowhere for it to go. So it's still just a single use product that ends up in landfill. Um, so it's hard to, it is hard as an individual in the system to really feel like you've got control over these things. Yeah, so... <laughs> For example, with bioplastics, if you think, well, I won't use cling film to wrap my sandwich, I'll use tin foil or baking paper. Well, baking paper is waxed with fossil fuels yeah, in a way. Yeah, it is and a type of plastic. tin foil <laughs> is from, well, it might be recycled, but basically you've got mining and fossil fuel issues there. Um, and there's heaps of research at the moment going into um, single-use plastics made from everything else apart from fossil fuels like mushrooms and algae and Mm, heaps name of other, it. <laughs> yeah, name a plant-based thing and someone will be trying to make some plastic out of it. But it's all still single-use. Um, and while we need single-use sometimes, most of the time we don't. Mm. Um, so a really common example of this is cucumbers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like all I talk about is cucumbers and biscuits. That's <laughs> <laughs> like your two go-to examples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to come up with some new ones. <laughs> But so cucumbers are wrapped in plastic because of the thin skin and the theory is that it will protect it, the cucumber while it gets from the farm to your house um, and there will be less food waste. Mm. Um, but the issue here is not if your cucumber is wrapped in plastic, the issue is the long supply chain. Yeah, how to, far it's got to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, which of course has all fossil fuels of transportation and stuff, whereas if mm. you grow your cucumber or you get it from a neighbour or you buy it from a farmer's market, then you don't need to wrap it in plastic because you just take it home and eat it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just had a flash of the amount of food that must get chucked out that's all wrapped in plastic that would be compostable except for the... There's the other thing. If you um, wrap food in plastic, then you perceive it to last longer, and so sometimes it goes off faster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating, eh? Um, well, this leads nicely into the second principle of circular economy, which is keeping products and materials in use. The best way to avoid waste across the entire life cycle of a product is to use reusable um, so even if a reusable coffee cup that you have is made from plastic, if it's used more than once, then that's fewer resources that go into each use, So such as the petroleum energy, shipping and disposal of a single-use one. Yeah, um, and I've got a, a new stat for you now. I'm okay. not going to do a coffee cup stat because I found Ooh. a new one. Okay. <laughs> Just shake it up a bit. Okay, so roughly half of annual plastic production in the world is destined for a single-use product. Man, 
I know. That's massive. Yeah, though. it's massive. Um, globally, we use about a million plastic bottles per minute. Man. Which is insane. And if these are all made out of bioplastics, um, it's still a million plastic bottles a minute. And we've still got to get the algae and the, yeah. the and mushrooms from somewhere um, and then transport it and then dispose of it. Um, and there's not enough, like, even if you composted it into usable compost, mm. like, what do you do with all a of that? Million, <laughs> a million a minute. It's a lot of infrastructure you'd need. It's like 20 million while you've been listening to this program. Man, that's mind It's insane. Yeah. Single it's use. too many. It's too it's many. Too <laughs> many. And this is why Plastic Fragile Lives about single-use plastics, because that is too many. Mm. That's ridiculous. Mm. <sighs> and once you understand that reusables keep products and materials in use, then you can start supporting that change outside of your household. So, for example, with coffee cups again, because it seems to be a good, useful, everybody uses them example. we're still using disposable coffee cups. still talking about it. <laughs> um, so you can support cafes that encourage customers to bring their own cups through, like, incentivising them. Um, and you can use and support reuse schemes. So uh, there's again, again, cups which are reusable cups that you pay a deposit to borrow. Um, and if you're involved in community events or um, in anything that you help organise events, then you can uh, introduce mug libraries. And so all of these things strengthen the reuse systems on offer and show others that there's value in those systems. Yeah, so a mug library is when, um, for example, there's one at Littleton Market, and if you want to buy a coffee from uh, the coffee vendors, you can go to the mug library, and there is a collection of mugs, real mm-hmm. mugs. Actual mugs. Actual mugs. <laughs> and then you just take one of the actual mugs, and you take it to the coffee vendor, and they put your coffee in the actual mug, and then you drop it back to the mug library, and then it is washed ready for the next time. And then um, you just donate a koha for yeah. the person who's washing your mug for you. Yeah, it's a cool way. Yeah, awesome. Um, Yeah, so when it comes to the government level, then um, considering environmental policies and making submissions um, is what you can do. So if you're trying to reduce your waste as an individual, you have a clearer idea of the types of changes needed um, at a larger scale and are better informed to make submissions to your council. Um, and if you don't want to make submissions yourself, then you can support other organisations like Greenpeace or Forest and Bird that make um, submissions regularly. Yeah, there's heaps of amazing resources that go through all of the really tedious documents from government to local government and actually read them and <laughs> yeah. form submissions. And that's what I do is that I tend to go around different places that I trust on the topic and then kind of piece together my own submission or support those ones, yeah. Yeah, and I used to think that if you made a submission, you have to make it in, like, government language. Yeah. And then I read other people's submissions and I was like, oh, I can just say a normal language. Yeah, you can just say what it is. (laughs) I don't have to, you know, I don't have to get a degree to make a submission. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly it. (laughs) So feel free to make submissions in your own words. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So the third principle of uh, circular economy systems is regenerating natural systems. Uh, and the obvious thing with plastic free being plastic-free is that if we consume less, then we don't need as many resources, uh, which means that there's all of that pressure taken off the environment. Uh, and Helen, you told me a really interesting thing about 
fossil fuels and plastic that I didn't quite understand. <laughs> so. so this um, just blew my mind. Um, yeah. So, I mean, one of the things you can do for Plastic Free July is to choose to use fewer fossil fuels. So not driving your car as much or walking mm. or biking to work. And the reason that this relates to Plastic Free July is because making plastics from fossil fuels is only cost effective for the company that makes the plastic if it's made with byproducts of the fossil fuels that are used in energy. Yeah. So the high quality fossil fuels um, is used for, for energy stuff. and then there's stuff left over. Um, this is like a stuff. broad outline. Yeah. So, I don't know <laughs> if what you that want is. The like chemistry. the scrapings off the floor Something that like then that. go into okay, the single so. use plastic. Feel free to go and check the chemistry <laughs> out. So, so that means that if we keep using fossil fuels, mm. then the industry keeps producing the byproducts that make the single-use plastics. Yeah. So in order to use that up, they will keep you making single-use plastics. And that's why it's so cheap is because it's a byproduct. That's why it's so cheap. And that's why single-use plastics are pushed so much yeah. because it's a way to make money out of waste, yeah. which generally we like yeah. using waste <laughs> to make things, context. but not in this context. Yeah. So if you phase out fossil fuels, it forces plastic producers to take on the real costs of plastic production, and then making single-use plastics is not so economically viable. It's huge. It's Understanding. How did I not know this massive. until now? It's massive. And it shows that that's why we're talking about single-use plastics with circular economy because yeah. everything is interrelated, interlinked, and, yeah. interlinked. and this explains why, because I've never been able to understand how single-use plastics can be so cheap when it's a limited resource that has to be like extracted. Yeah, it's, it's because, just because it's, it's not. Just the it's waste. there in the they're like, using it for the bin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, eh? So you can do Plastic Free July by biking to work. That's cool. Which eh? will also cut down your chance of dying. dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beyond just consuming less, another way to regenerate natural systems is to design things in a way that all the components can be disposed of at the end of their life with no impact on the environment. So like in nature, when everything when something dies, it becomes food for something else. And I've got in my notes the circle of life. I singing, which I I'm not feel, going to sing. I feel like you want us to watch The Lion King. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It explains circular economy really well. It does. <laughs> um, so an example of this for products is that in an ideal world, we wouldn't have anything single use and reusables would be made from materials that would actually compost or break down into harmless parts at the end of their life. Yeah, so this is where bioplastics have the advantage over plastics made from fossil fuels. So there are situations where plastic is necessary and the main pro problem is that we are using a material with like a thousand year lifespan or an infinite lifespan, depending who you talk to, mm. um, for a purpose of only a few minutes. Um, so if we can replace all the single-use plastics with bioplastics that actually break down in the environment, then this will help to regenerate natural systems. You're listening to So Circular with Anthea Medill of Remix Plastic, featuring discussions on waste reduction and circular economy in practice. Brought to you with support from The Rubbish Whisperer and Plains FM. Cool. So what's your do one challenge going to be for this month? 
Well, my do one challenge is going to be to understand the problem. So um, visit Plastic Free July's website and have a look at the resources and learn about plastic and um, what you can do. Look around your house and assess it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good idea. Um, and start seeing plastic. Because once you've started seeing the rubbish and the waste and the plastic, then you can't unsee it, and then mm. things move on from there. Yeah. Um, and there's this really nice animation um, called Plastic in the World um, by a animation studio called Metaball Studios, um, and there's a link, the YouTube link in the website. Website. Yeah. Um, and it's got really nice graphics to show how much plastic is in the world at this moment. Oh, um, cool. And you'll just your mind will be blown yeah. <laughs> if we piled it all up. Yeah. It's pretty high. <laughs> and I guess that seeing plastic and then not being able to unsee it mean, like, backs up the idea that plastic-free July shouldn't be that you're just plastic-free for one month, is that you can't then carry on after yeah. that and just go back to the ways that you were once you know what the problem is. Yep. Yeah. So use plastic-free July as the catalyst yeah. to move forward. Cool. Into a better environmentally friendly life. Cool. Um, my do one challenge is on a similar note about um, understanding the problems with commercially compostable plastics. So we've mentioned it, we've touched on it in this episode, but we haven't really explained it. Um, but one of our previous episodes is around this topic. And then there's also a link that breaks down all of the information into nice, easy to digest information uh, on the website. So check that out and then you'll understand why single use commercially compostable plastics aren't necessarily a good option. Yes, because plastic made from plants is still plastic. Exactly. Cool. So in the next episode, we're going to actually be discussing palm oil, which was what we were going to be doing this month. Um, And we will talk about what palm oil is, the problems with its use, and then what to do um, to be a part of the solution. So thank you for listening, and thank you, Helen, for joining me. Thank you. Kakitiano. You can listen to all our shows online at plainsfm.org.nz. For details on upcoming shows and links to resources we've mentioned in this episode, visit remixplastic.com.